Turn in your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. So today is just the second Sunday of 2020. It's just the second Sunday of a brand new year. And so we're just sort of really getting started. And we just finished a year where it just kind of felt like there was a crisis almost every day of the year, especially when it comes to President Donald Trump. I mean, some of you might realize that just last week, there were hundreds of media outlets that were screaming and bemoaning the fact that we were on the verge of World War III. How many of you heard that? World War III, it's, it's getting ready to start. There was a crisis almost every day of the year last year. And, and I want to set your mind at ease. This is not going to be a political sermon. I'm not going to preach about President Trump or anything else of that matter. I just want to bring it up because I think what we experienced over the last few years and what I can almost promise you we're going to experience over the course of this year has some really important lessons for us in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual development that we need to learn today. So we're going to talk about something that addresses that over the next couple of weeks, and that is this. Taking the time to listen makes a huge difference. Taking the time to listen makes a huge difference. Let's pray. Father, as we begin to talk about this issue and how prevalent it is, God, in our culture, in our world, and and our daily back and forth give and take, Lord, help us to understand how important it is for us to learn how to listen and what that means for us spiritually. God, bless your word today. Bless all the hearers that are here. Bless those who listen online. That, God, that you may be honored in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. So I uh, I would sort of argue this morning that one of the biggest challenges that we face in our personal life and in the life of our church, and and that's anybody's church wherever you may be, is the turmoil that comes with misunderstandings. Somebody just say amen to that. I think misunderstandings is one of the biggest things that we deal with on a regular basis and, and what that creates as a result. Because here's what happens a lot of times. We respond or we begin to act in a way that's not appropriate because it's not fully informed because we didn't really take the time to listen. Now, we may have heard words, but we didn't really hear meaning and we didn't really hear intent. And so we start to make choices, we start to make decisions based on things that really aren't fully informed. But as we talk about this for the next couple of weeks, this is not just about listening because there's several other pieces to this that are part of a a healthy process 
for our, our spiritual development and good communication. And I think we should all agree that there probably is very few things that is more important than good communication within the body of Christ, within the church. See, in, in our physical flesh and blood bodies, when there's miscommunication or lack of communication between the cells, uh, we call that dysfunction. And it leads to illness. It leads to disease. It, it can lead to cancer. When cells in a physical body aren't communicating properly, it can be deadly. And church, I'm going to tell you right now that miscommunication or lack of communication but in the body of Christ can be just as deadly. Because we, ought to, we got to understand that there is an enemy out there who likes nothing more than to prevent every Christian, every church from reaching their full potential for Christ. He wants nothing more than to keep you where you are and not allow you to get any closer to where God wants to take you. And so man does he love creating confusion, discontent, and division among God's people through miscommunication. And I'm here to say this morning, it's time to stop him. It's time to stop that from happening anymore. It's time to shut him down. And so as we take the first few steps into this brand new year, uh, we want to help you set, set you up for success. We want to help set our church up for success by focusing on a process that is spiritual, that is God-honoring, and I, I think it's going to be very satisfying for all of us as we go through this. But I want to start by acknowledging where we are as a culture, because I think we all need to understand that wherever we are as a culture, we're products of that culture. And we bring a lot of that culture into the way that we interact with people within the body of Christ, within the church. Can, can you all just agree to that? Amen. Right? Okay. So we're, we're, we're involved in the culture every day. We're immersed in it. We take it in. And because that's what we're dealing with on a daily, regular basis, we tend to bring that into our interactions, into our thought processes in the church. So here's where I think the culture is today in regard to this particular issue. I think we're in a situation where our culture is shoot first, ask questions later posture. Shoot first, ask questions later. Guys, we are in a culture where everybody is ready to explode, to dismiss, to ignore, or destroy anybody and anything that doesn't agree with them completely. We're in a culture that is ready to obliterate any other opinion, any other point of view that doesn't agree with them or take them where they want to go. So if you've got a different point of view, a different opinion, or a different preference, the idea in the culture now is to shut you down. And if they destroy you in the process, that's perfectly acceptable too. And you know what, guys? 
We're bringing that same mentality into our interactions with each other in the church. And as we get ready to begin 2020, and you know, there's, I mean, it's, it's an easy joke, right? 2020, it's about vision, right? But I'm not making a joke about this. We need to see this for what it is. We need to be clear-eyed about what it is and how it's impacting our faith walk at a personal level and at a corporate level when we act like the world in the church. Here's another thing that we do. A lot of times, it, we may not try to obliterate or destroy somebody, but we'll get a little tidbit of information and then we start to act on it without knowing the whole story. And you know what? We only wind up making the situation worse. How many of you have ever intended to make something better, but you wound up making it worse? Go ahead, admit it. Confess. All right. Most of us in here have been through that process. You, you meant well, but you wound up making a situation worse because you took action and you didn't even know the whole story yet. Right? Happens all the time. And we're watching this play out over and over again in the media every day of the week. And we need, listen, we're bringing that into the church. We're affected by it, but we don't need to stay the same as the culture. In fact, we shouldn't. We need to see it for what it is and say, Lord, if that's what the culture is doing and it doesn't agree with how you teach me to live, it's time to shut it down. So let's see what the Bible says about this particular way of living. Proverbs chapter 18. I'm going to look at two verses here. Proverbs 18, verse 13. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, he says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it's folly and shame to him. How, how, how do you answer a matter before you hear it? Well, here's what he's talking about. When you get a little bit of the information and then you start making choices, you get a little bit of the information and you start making decisions based on that little bit of information when you haven't heard the whole story. Because look down in verse 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. In other words, the first time that somebody tells you something, the first half of the story that you hear, church, it is rarely, rarely the full story and in full context. Look at somebody beside you and say, that's the truth. See, we got to acknowledge that, y'all. We have to acknowledge that. The first time that we hear a story, it is almost never fully in context and the fully developed truth. And that's why in our American justice system, no one is convicted without cross-examination because it is not fair to the person being accused, right? You know that, right? We don't allow somebody to be put into prison without cross-examination because the first person to tell the story doesn't tell the entire 
story. They may tell most of it, but it's not all of it. And the first person sounds right until they are cross-examined, until a second person comes and goes, well, let me ask you this. Well, let me ask you that. Can you explain this? And all of a sudden, the story starts to sound a little different. If you've ever experienced that in your life, raise your hand. This is the reality of our world, and yet we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are tending to live like the world. Shoot first, ask questions later. We are acting and making choices and decisions on information that is not fully developed. Church, this is not how we are meant to live. That's not what the writer of Proverbs is telling us. We should not live that way. It does not honor God. And if it doesn't honor God, then we have no business of conducting our life in a way that is dishonoring to the very teaching of God in his word. So if we know that misunderstandings are a cause of incredible trouble in our lives, and we know that when we act without a fully developed story, then basically what we're doing is we're acting on misunderstanding, then we got to do something about that. So I'll shift gears here just a little bit. So all of you this morning, for the most part, I'm sure are familiar with the story of a Pharisee approaching Jesus and saying, uh, what's the greatest commandment? And in fact, uh, George shared this and reminded us of this at the very beginning of December. So it's just a few weeks ago. It should be fairly fresh in your memory. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. And then in short order, he followed that up with a second. He said, and there's a second that is very much like it. And he said, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said that these two are so important that almost everything else hangs on these two foundational principles. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't get anything else right, you gotta get that right because if you get those two right, then almost everything else will fall into the place that it's supposed to fall into. And so our point of view for almost anything that we want to accomplish should begin with love. Go ahead and put this slide up for me, please. Love for God in order to honor him and love for others to demonstrate our love for God. Now, I put this on the screen intentionally because I think sometimes we don't quite grasp what it means to love others. So we talk about loving God, but we're not always that big on loving others. I mean, there are some who we got no problem loving at all. Some others like, well, I don't really want to love them. Right? Can we all just say amen? amen. All right. I mean, we'll just be honest in here. It is church. There are some we have no problem loving at all. And others, no, I, don't, I don't really want to love them. I don't like them at all. I don't want to love them. And yet... Our love for others is actually how we demonstrate that we actually love God. That's why the Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 4, 
He said, if you say you love God, but hate your brother, you're a liar. That's John talking, not Pastor Mark. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Because he goes on to say, how can you hate your brother who you have seen and love God who you haven't? In other words, our love for others is a demonstration to the world and a confirmation in our own life that we actually do love God. And if we're not demonstrating love to each other, then your love for God is being called into suspicion, not by me, but by the Apostle John, who was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So that concept, this this paradigm of love for God to honor him and love for others to demonstrate that we actually do love God It's got to be uh, central to the process that we want to uh, talk about this morning and next week that I believe is critical for us to have the kind of 2020 and beyond that we want. And here's here's the words for this process that we're going to look at over the next two Sundays. Love, listen, learn, and launch. I want all of you to say that with me. Love... Listen, learn, and launch. Say it one more time. Love, listen, learn, and launch. Church, I believe that if we can ingrain this approach into dealing with life, with people, with issues, then we can and we will improve our personal lives and our church life, both. And so all of this starts with love. All starts with love. You go, well, what does love have to do with listening? I mean, you know, you talk about, I mean, you talked about listening at the beginning of this. So what what does love have to do with this? Well, can I just suggest to you that you're going to have a really, really, really hard time listening to somebody that you can't find a way to love them. If you can't stand somebody... If you don't want to be in their presence, do you realize that it's really hard to listen to them? So love has got to be the starting point because it is really hard to make yourself listen to somebody that you cannot find a way to love. So let's remind ourselves for a moment what kind of love Jesus is talking about when we're talking about loving someone in regard to listening. Now, there's several terms that the Bible uses for love. The one that we're talking about here is the word agape. And agape is way, way, way more than just a feeling. And when we talk about love, we almost always equate emotion with love, right? I mean, that's, ooh, love, ooh, love. Next, next month is Valentine's Day, ooh, love. This is not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about agape love. Agape is an act of the will. It is not based on any emotion whatsoever. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. 
So what does it mean to love our neighbor with agape, with that kind of love? It means this. It's an intentional decision to focus on the well-being of another person. An intentional decision to focus on the well-being of another person. Now, we don't have any trouble focusing on our own well-being, right? I mean, now I'm not talking about being healthy. I mean, I'm talking about what we like, what we prefer, what's going to be good for us. We don't have any trouble with that whatsoever. And so when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, agape love means, you know how you look out for your own well-being? Well, then agape love is looking at somebody else and it doesn't matter how you feel, it's making an intentional decision to focus on their well-being, just like you would on your own. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what John is talking about in 1 John 4. Hey, you say you hate your brother or, or you love the Lord, but you hate your brother, you're lying. Because how can you, how can you hate your brother that you've seen and love God who you haven't seen. You have to love your brother. You have to agape your brother. You have to make an intentional decision to seek their well-being. That's loving your brother as yourself. And let me tell you how this comes into play here. Because we only tend to focus on what we value or what scares us. We live in an increasingly distracted culture. Have any of you noticed that it's harder and harder these days to focus? Or is that just me? I mean, you know, how many of you remember uh, uh, diagnosis of ADD or ADHD 50 years ago? I mean, there's a handful. That was a rare, rare thing. Now it's ever, most of our kids have ADD or ADHD. My wife does. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I was, but she beat me to it, so I feel better about it. <laughs> it is getting harder and harder and harder to focus, except when there's something that you really value, when there's something that you really want. And when there's something that you really want, you really, you really value, focus suddenly becomes a lot easier, right? Or when something scares you, well, that gets your attention. So we tend to focus on the things that we value or the things that scare us or frighten us. And so let me play that out. If we only pay attention to what we value, then we have to make a decision to love somebody enough to pay attention to them. We have to make a decision to love someone enough to pay attention to them. And that means being willing to listen to them. James said this in James chapter 1, verse 19. He said, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be what? Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Our modern culture says, so, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to fly off the handle. Be quick 
to tell everybody what your opinion is and be slow to hear. Is that the truth? That's how our modern culture would write James chapter 1, verse 19, but that's not what God says. God, inspiring James, said, let every man be swift to hear. Everything else needs to be a lot slower. And church, we must make an intentional decision to love someone enough to value them in order to listen to them because we will only pay attention and focus on what we value or what scares us. If we don't value our brother and sister, we sure as heck ain't listening to them. So how does listening communicate love? Well, I'm going to put three things on the, on the screen for you. I think there's, there's probably more than this, but three that I want to share with you this morning. It communicates love because most people feel silenced and devalued most of the time. You know that? Most people feel unvalued, unloved, unappreciated. Nobody wants to listen to me. Nobody cares what I think. And when you slow down long enough to say, hey, I want to listen to you, all of a sudden you're communicating value that they rarely experience. It communicates love because it satisfies the God-given instinct to connect. You remember in the garden, God was happy with everything that he made, said it was good except for one thing, and he said, it is not good for what? Man to what? Be alone. There is a God-given instinct and desire to connect. That is the fellowship of the body. It's the fellowship of the church. We are designed to be interconnected. Now, we live in a culture that loves our independence. I love that we live in America. I value independence. But in terms of our faith life, that independence has got to take a flying leap because it is not about our independence as Christians. It is about our interdependence. And there is a God-given instinct and desire to connect. And when we stop and we express a willingness to listen to someone else, we're connecting at a, this is a word that most of us guys don't like, we're connecting at an intimate level. Now, you know, for most of us guys, we hear the word intimate and our mind immediately goes to a sexual encounter. That's not what intimate is really all about. It's about knowing a person. Deeply knowing a person. And so when we are willing to listen to someone, we are creating an intimacy between us where they know we are learning who they are and it matters to us. And there's something in each other's spirit that resonates with that. It communicates love because it's an act of humility because it says, hey, you might have something to say, you might have something to offer, that I don't already know. When I was at Bible college, um, the founder of the school, uh, he's an old Southern guy, and uh, he said, you know, I've never met anybody that I couldn't shave a little cream off the top. Now, some of you are like, what the heck does that mean? 
Some of you who've been around for a while, who've been on a farm, you, you totally get what that's about. When, when, you, when you get fresh milk, there's that cream that rises to the top. And you know what? There might not be a lot that somebody has to offer you. There might not be a lot that somebody has to offer me. But there's always at least some cream on the top of whoever they are that you can gain from, that you can enjoy, that you can sort of skim off the the, the rest of that and say, you know what, there was value in that for me. And when we stop long enough to, uh, to listen to somebody, we're telling them, we love you enough to think, you may have something to offer me that I don't already know. And that's an act of humility. It's an act of love. Proverbs 1.5, the writer of Proverbs said, A wise man will hear and he'll increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. A wise man will hear and increase learning. And church, can we all admit that very few Christians these days can be accused of being wise I don't think that's a, that's a label that, that too many people are throwing at us. Boy, that's a bunch of wise people. But that's what the writer of Proverbs said that we need to be pursuing. A wise man will hear and increase learning. There's a little cream on the top of everybody that we encounter that we can actually gain from, but we have to understand that there's value in our time with them. And we have to love them enough to invest and spend that time. So we got to listen. And I want to share a couple things that good listening involves because honestly, y'all, most of us are not good listeners. We're just not. Every wife in here knows that's true. We're not good listeners. So what, what does good listening involve? Well, a few things. It, it's letting the other person speak without interruption. Yeah. <laughs> You ever tried to have a conversation with somebody and they're just waiting for you to take a breath so that they can, oh, 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 oh. I mean, they're just looking for a, a, a chance to jump in. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you this. It's like, they're, they couldn't care less about listening to you. It's just a chance for them to hear something that they can tell you another story, right? Raise your hand if you've ever had that. Yeah. And guess what, y'all? If it's happened to us, I can promise you we've done it to somebody else. We're not innocent. We all do it. You hear something, and the first thing you do, ooh, 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 I got to tell them this. That's not what listening is about. See, that's hearing. That's not listening. Listening is letting them speak without interruption. It's giving the other person your undivided attention. Now, I'll just be honest. That is hard to do these days because I can check so many other things while I'm talking to you. Like, mm mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. Now, I don't actually do this. Uh, (laughs) Okay, maybe I have twice. I I don't know, maybe. Undivided attention because you can't really, you can hear, but you can't really listen. You remember I said that we hear words, but we don't hear meaning or intent? 
That's the difference, y'all. See, if we're not giving somebody our undivided attention, we can hear their words, but we will miss meaning and we will miss intent because we're not really listening. One other thing is making sure that we understand what the other person is actually saying or thinking. Have you ever told somebody something and you knew exactly what you meant in your own mind, it was clear as a bell. And then you find out later that person could not be further from what you thought you told them. Right? It's like, how did, how did you think that? That's not what I said at all. But that's what they heard. And, and here's the thing, y'all. Everybody has their own filter, right? Every one of us filter information through our own filter. And not all of our filters work the exact same way. And sometimes somebody can use one word and it means one thing to them and it means something entirely different to you. And that's why good listening means you need to understand actually what did they say or think or mean. That means you got to ask them. You got to clarify. You can't just assume that. You got you to make sure. And by the way, let me just as a way of example, share with you that Jesus was without a doubt the best communicator the world has ever, ever known. Would you agree with that? Jesus, the best communicator the world has ever known. And did you know that even Jesus, no matter the fact that he was a great communicator, he was still misquoted and misunderstood? You realize that? Even Jesus, no matter how good he was communicating, people still misunderstood and misquoted him. And church, fairness, fairness to our brothers and sisters demands that before we put the worst possible interpretation on something that we've heard, we need to do some checking. See, I see this play out on the internet all the time, right? Somebody sees something and the next thing you know, they've shared it along, they've passed it along. And I don't trust this thing called Snopes. I don't want to, I don't want to try to get into that. If you don't follow anything on Facebook or online, it's not worth trying to pursue. But those of you who do, you're probably familiar with Snopes. They're supposed to verify information. I don't trust Snopes, but that's what they're there for. And so there'll be some people, and it gets passed all around the place. Oh, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this? And the next thing you know, so, well, that didn't happen. But it's already gone all the way around the world. It's gone around all the way around your social circle. And it wasn't even true. Why? Because you didn't take the time. Well, let me check on that myself. And it happens in our interactions with each other. This isn't just, social media is nothing more than an expression of what we're actually experiencing in our own lives. You know that, right? So we hear stuff and the next thing you know, we're passing it around or we're acting on it and we didn't take the time to verify it. And fairness if Jesus was misquoted and misunderstood, you better make sure that what you hear is the truth before you act on it. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Back to love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 7. We call 1 Corinthians the love chapter. 
And it says that love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Love does not look for the worst possible interpretation of something. Love does not look for the worst context possible to believe about what somebody said about somebody else. Love believes the best. It hopes for the best. Now sometimes do those things not prove out to be true? Yes. But when we verify them and we find what the truth, then we deal with the truth. But love, love, which always seeks the well-being of another person, right? Love seeks their well-being as much as our own. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things because we want to believe the best about our brothers and sisters in Christ, not the worst. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and prepare for our our response this morning. I've spoken of unity often here. And I talk about unity a lot because unity among his children is one of God's greatest desires. And division in families and churches everywhere, everywhere, keep God's children in turmoil and bitterness with each other. And a lot of times, it's based on nothing more than a misunderstanding. Churches have completely fallen apart because of simple misunderstandings. It takes intentionality to avoid letting the devil step in and twist and distort what's being said, to twist and distort what's being done. It takes intentionality to keep the devil from getting into your family situation, from your church situation and destroying your peace, destroying your hope, and destroying what God's doing. So this is a four-step process that we've started on this morning. We're going to continue this next week. We talked about how you have to love somebody in order to listen. We're going to talk about you listen in order to learn. And when you learn, then and only then do you take action. Then and only then do you launch into whatever response is appropriate. You start with love that enables you to listen which gives you the ability to learn and then act accordingly and appropriately. I want to end with a word from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, verse 15. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
love, listen, learn, launch. Church, if we will embed that into our spirit, if we will embed that into the way that we go about our daily life and our daily activity, I promise you, your family will be better, your daily life will be better, our church will be healthier, and God will be honored. So let's stand together. Father, as we finish this message this morning, I pray that every person in here will do whatever the Holy Spirit is laying on their heart to do. God, maybe they've heard this morning the Holy Spirit speaking to them for the first time that says they need salvation. We celebrate three salvations that have already happened this year. Lord, maybe there's someone sitting here this morning that your Holy Spirit is saying, that's what you need to do. You need to get saved today. God, may they come and grab me by the hand and say, that's, I need Jesus. Lord, whatever else is going on in people's lives, I pray that they will act appropriately this morning because of what they've heard and learned from your Holy Spirit and from the word of God today. In Jesus' name.